My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. This is episode two of Surviving Fear, Coming Home. So I ended the last episode and I told you how, you know, how I got diagnosed, all the different symptoms I was having. And we were in the in the hospital room with the doctor who delivered the lovely news that I had been diagnosed with glioblastoma and what my husband did. And my husband, who I said changed the complete trajectory of my mindset and my faithfulness being diagnosed with the worst type of brain cancer you can be. And he pointed at the doctor and he said, you don't get to decide what happens to her. And he pointed to the ceiling and said, he does. And it just changed the perspective of everything. It took everything from a very negative, hopeless standpoint to, that's right. You know what? I really don't have control over any of this. Um. So I go to leave the hospital. I am escorted down in a wheelchair by a very sweet nurse who just gave me the biggest hug and had just the sweetest, most soulful eyes. And I remember her just hugging me and she said, you're going to be okay. And I don't know, you know, sometimes how people pay you lip service and they're going to, and they just say, oh, everything's going to be fine. I do it to my own kids sometimes. Yeah, it's fine. You're fine. But the way she said it, I believed it. I believed it like she had gotten, like Jesus was standing next to her telling her, hey, you need to tell this one that she's going to be fine. Because I do believe that. I do believe that Christ uses people on this planet to reach us. I believe in angels. I believe in that, you know, we have guardian angels looking over us, but I believe that God and Christ use, and the Holy Spirit, use us to reach others. There have just been too many quote unquote coincidences, which I don't believe in coincidences, that have happened that just can't be explained any other way. But they happened. So... Um, the sweet nurse put me in the car and told me it was going to be okay. And Paul asked me, Hey, do you think we should stop and pick up your prescriptions now? And I said, I just want to get home to the boys. I just want to see my boys. And I come home and my amazing cheering section, I'll call them my friends and family and loved ones had decorated our entire house. The exterior of my house was covered with posters. There were lawn signs with inspirational quotes on there. There was a giant purple and white sign that said, Sarah Strong, you guys have to understand, purple is my favorite color. I went to TCU. Purple was my favorite color before I even went to TCU. And um, there was, I opened the door and there is flowers on every surface of my home. It was just, my house has never smelled so good. Remember, I have two teenage boys and live with a firefighter. It does not smell 
very great in my house most days. But this particular day and over the next few weeks, it was wonderful. And one of the, and it was a gift. I want to stop there and say it was a gift to come home to such a joyful, happy place after I'd been in the hospital and been given the worst news that I'd been given in my life up to this point. It was amazing. It was amazing that the world still went on, even though now we're in the midst of COVID and everybody's dealing with, you know, stressful things. And here I am walking into this amazing place, compliments of my friends and family and loved ones who went out of their way to make sure I felt good. And then it was going to be joyful that I was in a joyful place. And one of the really astounding miracles that have happened in this is my brother, um, Brian, he travels quite a bit for work. He's all over the country. He's all over the world doing different things. And because of COVID that stopped, Brian didn't get to travel at all. And his first trip back sent him to Pasadena, California. First trips. (coughs) And it was on the day of my surgery, May 18th. And Brian went to Pasadena, which is about an hour and a half north of where I live. And I needed my brother. My brother and I are very close. We always have been. Never made sense. Um, Always taking good care of me, looking out for me. We always have a lot of fun together, a lot of inappropriate fun together, just by telling inappropriate jokes or laughing at funerals or, you know, it's what you do with your sibling. And I needed him because I was about, well, we, we were about to have to tell our boys some really bad news. I needed him there and God put him on my doorstep. That's why I don't believe in coincidences. One of the reasons. But God knew I needed Brian there. God knew my boys needed Brian there. Because he brings laughter and a funny sense of humor and can relate to my boys very easily because he's still a teenage boy himself, (laughs) even though he has his own beautiful family. And his own beautiful family were like, stay as long as you need. So he was there and that was amazing. And I was glad he was there when Paul and I told the boys. Because... There's not, there's no training manual that comes out with how you have to break bad news to kids. And I mean, I'm lucky because my kids were older, they're 14 and 15, but trying to make it flowery and everything's going to be okay because we didn't know everything was going to be okay. And we still don't know if everything's going to be okay, but I do because I know where we all end up. And I don't mean to be morbid when I say this, but there is a 100% mortality rate when you're a human. 100%. None of us make it out of here. But it's what you do with that time that gets you where you need to be and where God wants you to be. So we brought, after I got home and got my hugs in and sat down with the boys, my brother was in the room, Paul and I were there. And we broke the news to him. 
and we tried to keep it as positive as possible. But that's one thing that I will say that my boys have appreciated and which built some trust with them. So if you ever are in that position where you have to deliver bad news to your kids, I just suggest to you is to be completely honest. Kids can smell a lie and they can they they can sense when we are not being completely truthful with them and it makes them not trust you. And from the very beginning of this Paul and I decided I'm like the boys are going to be involved in this from the beginning. They're going to know everything. And in the beginning there are so many appointments and doctors and meetings and all these things that have to happen and at the end of each one of them we brought the boys on and what was discussed and what news we'd gotten. Because it's important that they trust you. It's important. And I really believe that kids handle things better than we do. I remember a few years ago, we lost, I don't want to say we lost her, but my mother-in-law got to go to heaven. And there's no doubt in my mind where that woman is. She is in heaven glorifying it like nobody's business. And I know she's working hard on our family's behalf right now too. And I remember my younger son, Jake, when we told her that Baba had passed away, he's like, well, that Baba gets to be in heaven. And it was just clear to him. Like we were very sad because it hurts because you don't get to physically see that person anymore. But Jake was like, well, great. Baba's in heaven. And it was just clear to him. Like that's a friend of mine has told me, you know, that eternal perspective having an eternal perspective that this isn't the end of it. Like when we transition to that life, when we die and we're all going to, there's a better place waiting for us. We just have to choose it. We have to say, God, I want to be with you. I trust you. It's really that simple. Now, is it simple living a human life? No, it is not. There's so many complications. There's so many I, battles I fight every single day on top of my own physical battles and medical battles. Just being a human is hard. Anyway, the boys took it amazing. I mean, yes, there were lots of tears. There were lots of questions. And we just promised them that we would be forthright and upcoming with them and honest with them and tell them everything we knew every time. And that has really helped them feel secure because even just them living in a COVID world was such an uncertain world and hard for a lot of kids. And then adding this on top of it for them, just very difficult. And that's why I want to tell you that if you're ever in this situation, I think the tides are changing on this, but the first thing we did is we made an appointment with a therapist, a family therapist. And I used to think that it was something that was shameful. I'm glad to see the mental health side of the world is changing that, you know, getting help is not a sign of weakness. Getting a help is a sign of strength and intelligence. Because like I said, God did not plan for us to live this life alone and to survive it and get through it alone. That's why we have each other. And there are people out there that this is their profession. This is what they do. They know it inside and out. They know how to reach you. They know how to pull out the things. Like, because my kids, I've got one that talks and one that doesn't. And the one that scares me the most is the one that doesn't. Because what is being buried? What is 
poisoning their soul because they're worried or scared and they don't know how to verbalize it and deal with it. So I will tell you, the first thing my family did is we set up an appointment with a counselor and we went and saw our therapist or I can, I don't even know the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. So I think it's a psychologist is the right one, to be honest with you. Like I said, math major, I do math well. And outside of that, not a whole lot well. Um, And I'm so glad we did because we learned what the boys were afraid of and they the therapist knew the right questions to ask and how to lead them and help them help them make help them feel safe in that environment cuz they're not used to bearing their souls and not used to talking about their fears and i think if we all did that and we talked to other people about what is scaring you and what what are you worried about and what are your anxieties you know it's not a it's it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength And we don't have all the answers. That's why we have each other. I mean, especially as a mom, and I'm trying to navigate the world of having teenage boys. Oh, good grief. Thank goodness I have my tribe of women that have lived it and are currently living it. I'm like, okay, it's not just my kid. How many times have I said that? It's not just my kid. You know? And I know as I talk through this, I know some of you might be going, well, I don't have glioblastoma. I don't have brain cancer. But we all have something that we're dealing with. One is not worse than the other. There isn't, there, this isn't a contest about what we're dealing with in our lives. The fact that it's happening in your life makes it your struggle and makes it important. And my struggle happens to be glioblastoma right now, but I've had other struggles along the way. This one just happens to take the cake for the moment. But anyway, just just a little side note about having kids. And I just believe that you be honest with them. And I understand if you have little kids, yes, there are ways that you have to kind of manipulate what you say. So yes, you're being honest, but in a way they can understand. Um, after we told the kids, you know, that was hard and they, they did a great job with it. Um, my brother and I went in the backyard and we talked and I'm grateful I had that time with him. We got the tears out. We got to be real. And um, then I got to tell Brian exactly what I needed from him. And I needed him to be the laughter. And he's really good at it. He's the fun-loving guy. He's the fun-loving uncle. And I will tell you that my kids are so blessed with the aunts and uncles and cousins and family and friends that are like family that are in their lives. And you might be saying, well, I don't have any of that, but you do. You just have to open your eyes and you have to open your heart and be willing to accept it. It is there. And I know some people have struggles with their families and I I get that. But there are people out there that love you like family. And you need to open those arms and accept, open your arms and accept it. Accept that help. Accept that love. Accept that we are meant to go through life with other people, to lift each other up. God knew it was going to be hard for us. And that's why he gave us each other. We're not meant to be alone. But let me tell you, my brother does a phenomenal job of being the comic relief. The boys love him. They respond to him 
course, is he doing completely appropriate things with him by letting my 15-year-old drive a car? No, that shouldn't be happening, but you made his day, especially a convertible down in a street by our house way too fast. But hey, that makes you the fun uncle. Um, and don't worry, can't wait to get my nieces around so I can do the return the favor. But anyway, that same day, as I made different phone calls, delivering, we didn't get the news we were hoping for. Saying that sentence over and over again was hard that day. It was very hard. But I had a moment of clarity. And I think those moments of clarity only come when you are in the depths of struggle. And I had a moment of clarity that was, you know what? We all have a timetable. Each one of us. When you are born, you are not guaranteed 95 years on this earth with your special someone next to you in a rocking chair watching your grandchildren play in your front yard. You aren't guaranteed anything. Like, I don't know why, I don't know if it's society or what, but we all think that that's what we're guaranteed, a problem-free life, living well into our 90s with our mental capability still fully intact, holding the hand of your spouse. We're guaranteed nothing other than that we are loved unconditionally. That's all we're guaranteed. I've had friends that have lost their children. I have friends that I have lost all way too young. And we say that. But you know what? I the, When you're looking at death in the face, when you're looking at your clock, it's amazing how your perspective switches. Because my thought process is, God must have really needed them for something really important to take him so early. Or what did God prevent them from having to experience because he took him so early? I've been staring at that. Like my one friend who has glioblastoma said, she goes, it's just when you get diagnosed, the clock's always been there. It's just now it's right in front of your face. And that's a gift. And I know that doesn't sound like a gift and it sounds scary and awful. I'm like, oh my gosh, every day you're tick, tick, tick. Every second you're one closer, to one step closer to death. And I refuse to see it that way. I don't. And some people you'll meet have that negative outlook on it. And I choose not to. I choose that I get another day. I got another. I wake up in the morning. I say, God, thank you for another day that I get to experience. And when I go to bed, I say, thank you for that day I got to experience. We aren't meant to know everything because can you imagine if you knew from the moment you were born, everything that was going to happen to you? Can you imagine that? Be like, oh my gosh, there's a reason he gives us days one at a time. There's a reason why our life is divided into hours and days, and minutes, and seconds, because we couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle it. 
It has to be spoon fed to us. So that's why you go, I go, I choose to go in day by day going, well, God, let's see what fun we're going to have today. Now I say that like, I'm always chipper and happy. Trust me. I am not. I am not. I've been curled in a ball in my bed, sobbing uncontrollably more times than I care to admit. But I also, when I'm in that ball, I have my husband, my kids, I have God sitting there going, you're going to get through this. One way or another, you're going to get through this. And it's okay to feel weak. It's good to feel weak because in our weakness, he is strong. He is strong and he provides us peace and he provides us hope. Thank you for listening yet again, and I will see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, J.T. Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.